Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Dave Scott. Dave is the middle school principal at Kristen School in one of my favorite places in the world, New Zealand, very beautiful country uh, based in Auckland. And uh, Dave is an innovative, energetic, and future-focused school principal who thrives on challenges. He loves facilitating those aha moments that change mindsets and open up new possibilities. He's passionate about helping people, teams, and schools figure out where they are, where they want to be, and then helping them get there. And he's had the most enjoyment when partnering with senior leaders and staff to drive results through talent and change management, increasing student and staff engagement. He's at his best when he's digging into a new experience where success is the only acceptable outcome. Love that. Dave, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Fantastic. It's great to be here, John Owen. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Yeah. So first, uh, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, give us a window into Dave, middle school principal, Kristen School. Uh, what does a day look like for you in your role at, at uh, Kristen School? Yeah, well, obviously, in the current times, it's a little bit different to what it would normally look like. But um, just to give a, listeners a bit of background. So Kristen is a an IBO, um, International Baccalaureate three program school. Um, we have um, about 1800 students from early learning through to, as we call it here in New Zealand, year 13, year 12, I believe, in Australia. Um, so I, I lead the middle school, which is um, years seven, eight, nine, and 10. So 700 students um, across the middle school. Um, and I guess it's probably really one of the key uh, parts of the school in terms of entry uh, of students. So we have our critical entry points of year seven and year nine. So a big part of my job is, is student recruitment. Um, and we interview um, all the students that um, apply to come here and then obviously have to make selections. We're not an academically selective school, um, open entry, but we are looking for, you know, genuine all-rounders. We're, looking, we're, we're, a, we're a school that offers a holistic education. Um, we're very much a, a strong believer in, you know, that all-roundedness. So we want our students to have a great academic experience, but we also want them to be involved in, you know, performing arts, sport um, and other co-curricular activities because we know that that, you know, makes them better as as whole people. But um, in terms of me day to day, um, so I'm one of um, three principals. The, the way the school's structured is there's, there's a principal of the junior, the middle and the senior school. And then there's an executive principal that sits over the top. So we form the executive leadership team. We meet um, regularly three times a week. Um, and currently, obviously, a lot of our time is taken up with um, with COVID and, you know, pandemic plan planning and, and all of that. Obviously, New Zealand is in a sort of red traffic light setting, as we call it at the moment. So it's very much uh, we're on the edge of the 
Omicron outbreak, um, which a lot of other countries have obviously been through already. So we're sort of still teetering at the edge of that. Um, what that means day to day at the moment is that schools very much, uh, students are coming to school, no parents on site, students wearing masks. There's basically no gatherings of more than 100. So we can't have our usual things like school assemblies and, and house meetings and all of those kinds of things. So it does make day-to-day -day operation quite difficult. And it also takes away that whole feeling of belonging, you know, um, that really is a big part of, of middle school, I guess. So, um, yeah, having said all that, though, I mean, I'm just blown away every day, really, by our students and how, you know, stoical <laughs> they are and accepting yeah. of things and they just get on with it and there's not really too many too many complaints and yeah i think uh yeah you know they they're just um pr pretty happy to be at school i guess after the time that we spent away from school last year yeah absolutely um yeah incredible i i have so much respect for for current students uh in school and mm. university i always say to friends who are studying right now i say i don't know how you're doing it online um yeah it's, oh, it's uh so yeah so yeah. much respect for for students and uh across the board um so it'd be great for listeners to get to know a little bit of your story dave so feel free mm. to go back as far as childhood you know yeah. what are some of those sure. moments that come to mind that really shaped you becoming the leader and the person you are today yeah um well i'm originally from england from in the uk um i've been in new zealand for 25 years now but um i guess for me um the whole kind of if i think about leadership really it started for me going to secondary school i went to a, an all boys boarding school in north devon in the southwest of the uk um and I guess I was sent there really as a last resort. It was kind of, I had a pretty difficult sort of early childhood and um, it was kind of like, let, how can we get rid of this guy? Let's send him off to boarding school. So off I went. And luckily for me, I think it was kind of the making of me. And at, I really enjoyed school. I loved school. Um, I loved the whole boarding aspect of things and the sporting side of things which was you know something I particularly excelled at um and I guess when I think about it that's what led me to the career that I'm now in um and it was really one or two key individuals I think in my early time at school that kind of when I think about it too shaped my thinking and my direction um and they were very much the type of, you know, leader who were the led by example, didn't say an awful lot. Um, but, you know, when they did speak, you listened and you took notice and you it had a big impact on me. Um, so, you know, from from school, I guess I was in my last year at school. Um, ended up in you know leadership positions school prefect that kind of thing but we had a my connection with new zealand really came about through my school where in my last year we had a teacher that did an exchange from st andrews college in christchurch in in new zealand came over for the for the year and i was captaining the first 15 rugby team in my last year and he took over as the coach and we got on really well he had two sons with him too that came over for that year struck up a great friendship with them 
anyway, one one thing led to another in following school. I ended up doing a gap year um, in Christchurch, working at St Andrews in one of the boarding houses as a resident tutor, and then ended up doing some sort of teaching as well, um, coaching, um, teaching physical education, do some coaching, and then that led me back to the UK following that year and did my degree in sports science and then a postgraduate in teaching and ended up then at a school in London um, in my first position where I was a director of rugby and looking after rugby in a big independent day school. So I kind of had a, a leadership role really in my first job and sort of have taken that on in all of the roles I've been in since. So from the UK, I moved back to New Zealand with my wife, who's a Kiwi, um, and we moved, we went back to Christchurch, which was her hometown. And I had um, 10 really successful years at Christ College, which is a independent boys boarding school. Um, and I guess, you know, it was, again, going back to that boarding experience myself, it was going back to, you know, a school that was very strong in boarding. And, and I, you know, sort of throughout my time there, um, built myself up, reinvented myself, I guess, a few times in, into the director of boarding. And then we're, it was around about 2010 when the, if you remember, the Christchurch earthquakes took place. So we were we were in Christchurch for the first, um, oh, first wow. earthquakes, which happened in mm. September. I have a vivid memory of, of that night, actually, um, before the quake. So the quake sort of took place about four o'clock in the morning. But as we were going to bed, um, just you could just hear dogs barking, and, and it was quite unusual. There was just the whole street; dogs were just going nuts, barking. And I, I remember saying to my wife, "God, that's a bit unusual, you know? Like, what's going wow. on?" Yeah. And then subsequently reading about it, you know, there is a bit of research that says, you know, animals kind of do have a sense of 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 you know what's to come. Anyway, we were thrown out of bed at. 4am um luckily in that first shake um things weren't so badly damaged and christ college has got a, a lot of heritage buildings it was in the february quakes that things were a bit more damaging but by that time we'd actually uh, moved over to adelaide in south australia i'd actually got the job as director of boarding there Oh wow! Uh, in the in the year preceding the earthquake, so it wasn't the earthquakes that sent me over there. Although it was obviously just good timing. Um, yeah, we weren't caught up in the February quakes, and and that was a very challenging leadership role, I guess. Um, I was employed as the director of boarding for a brand new purpose-built co-educational boarding facility, which was really one of the first of its kind in Australia. Um, so boys and girls under the same roof in a secondary setting um, and, you know, bringing what was two very, um, um, you know, two very different, I guess, cultures where the girls and the boys yeah. were very separate and bringing them together under the same roof. Um, wow. So that was quite a challenging role. Um, and then from there, it was back to New Zealand and, and a role as a deputy principal at Scots College in Wellington, um, which up until actually this year was a boys school, hundred year old boys school, but has just moved co-ed as, as quite a few schools seem to be doing in recent times. 
Um, and then I was really kind of, I guess, recruited for this position that I'm in now, the middle school principal at Kristen. My my previous principal at um, Scotch in Adelaide, Tim Outen, um, came over, came back. He's a Kiwi, came back over to New Zealand as the executive principal at Kristen. And um, yeah, sort of told me I should think about applying for this role. And um, that's where I find myself today. Wow. That is a, uh, you did really well to tell that. Uh, that's a, that's an incredible story. One thing that popped into my mind as you were sharing that, Dave, is yeah. the challenges that you sort of, I, I always hear, you know, someone says a sentence and you hear some years in the sentence sometimes, like, you know, it's a, yeah. it's become yeah. a sentence in passing, but for you, obviously some challenges growing up, you, you're doing incredible things now as a leader, uh, how did you, I, I'm just really interested in, in how you were able to navigate, um, I guess some challenges when you were first growing up and, and like, mm-hmm. um, and, and turn out the way you are. I mean, there's probably no mm. s- really simple answer to that, but I, I really wanted to ask it. What, what do you think? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a really interesting question because it's something I've thought deeply about, you know, throughout my life, I guess, um, you know, and I alluded to, you know, not having an easy childhood and that really stemmed from, um, you know, quite a messy divorce that my parents went through when I was sort of, you know, old enough to know what was going on. So sort of that eight, nine, 10 year old age group. And I guess it was the classic situation where, you know, one parent was was setting you up against the other parent. and And so for me, that was my father against my mother and then my father remarried and you know I didn't get on at all with his new wife and I think that's what that's what was the thing that sent got me sent off to boarding school which I said you know was the best thing that could have happened to me actually yeah um so I guess in a in a way my whole life was really about proving in some ways it was about proving my father wrong, you know, because he didn't believe in me, I don't think. And, sure. um, you know, I don't, I mean, he's, he's passed away now, but um, over time, you know, that probably when I was younger and more impressionable manifested itself probably more as, you know, I'm probably the right word is hate, hatred, you know, and, over time, I've learned that, you know, you can't be motivated by hate. You have to use other things to progress yourself. And yeah, um, I guess for me, what I what it what it forced me to do was to, um, you know, look at myself and want to improve, want to be better. And I guess that's where the influence of other people came in, you know, especially at school um, and that desire and drive to be better, you know, to be a better a, per, a better person, be a better influence on other people, um, and, you know, and ultimately a better teacher, leader, parent, um, husband, you know, all of those things. And I think, you know, it is really that those key moments as a, as a younger person battling, I guess, all of those things going on that actually, when I think about it now, has driven me to be where I am today. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually something I've always found really interesting. 
uh, working with school leaders, I can't tell you the number of times I, uh, I've gone around the room with a school leadership team and we do sort of an exercise around, uh, you know, what I call the, per- well, I don't call it, it's a Patrick Lencioni exercise called personal histories and yeah. just sharing, you know, a challenge from, from childhood, something difficult or unique that was a challenge when you're growing up. And mm. the number of times school uh, for school, for school leaders was actually yeah. had an element of being challenging or there was a significant challenge for them when they were younger mm. that I feel like has fueled them. Your, your story is, is a little bit different almost because it's like um, you, I, I'm so, I love hearing. It's so nice to hear how significant and positive your experience was in boarding school uh, mm. going, that was the best thing that happened to me. And that's actually fueled you doing what you, what you do today. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, particularly when I think back and think how it wasn't a positive experience for a lot of other boys there, you know, and I guess that's another thing that when I think about that is what drove me, I guess, into the career I'm in now was wanting to make sure that nobody under my watch kind of had a negative experience or a, as as bad as an experience as some of those boys had. You know, I was at boarding school started boarding school in the sort of early to mid 80s when in the UK in particular things were still pretty bad you know there was still there was still things like fagging going on there was you know the prefix effectively around the school there was some hideous bullying that went on in my first couple of years sure Um, and I know that when as a year group when we got through to being, you know, six formers, we, I vividly remember, we collectively kind of made the decision that we wouldn't, we wouldn't do the kind of behaviors that had happened to us, you know, and that was always the excuse that older boys use. Well, it happened to us, so it needs to happen to them. And I think, you know, we kind of decided to break that cycle. Yeah, that's really profound. Actually, that's mm. one thing I wanted to ask you about. I know that um, we might need to, uh, I might need to invite you back to do a part two where we really dig into uh, some more traditional leadership. But I-, I love these conversations because leaders who are listening, younger leaders, older leaders, new leaders, mm. those who've been in leadership roles 30 years, uh, we're just people are people, you know, at the end of the day. And mm. most of the challenges are people related mm. to. So I can't help but ask when I hear such an amazing story like yours, uh, such resilience and and growth. For a leader out there who heard you talk about that that hate that was sort of harboring there and mm. goes, oh, my goodness, I have that for some reason against, you know, for someone or that bitterness, yeah. how did you deal with that? You know, I know that like mm. because I know it may not seem like Leadership 101, but my mm. guess would be that it if you if you're harboring that it makes leading well uh really hard if, mm. whereas if you can deal with that like you have i feel mm. like that must give you so much more freedom to lead people in a really healthy way so yeah how, mm. how did you deal with that dave i think like everything it's trial and error you know um i think as a young man early early in my life i probably a lot of my reactions were you know um i I wasn't very good at like hiding my emotion i very much wore my heart on my sleeve and i still do but i'm i've learned i've learned a lot about the right time and the right place um so i think Mm -hmm. you know you learn 
I'm a great believer in that you learn by doing, you know, life's about making mistakes and learning from them. I think I heard a great quote the other day was, you know, that there's, there's not winning and losing, there's winning and learning, you know, and when you lose, if you like, oh, you learn. So, you know, you, you <laughs> learn, you learn through mistakes. And that's what I always try to put across to my students, because, you know, we have so many kids today who are just, they quite they quite lack resilience in a way and they they're only used to success and when they fail they they can't deal with it so you know it's about getting across to them and and to a degree too the staff that i lead as well that making mistakes is actually okay it's a good thing to do you need to make mistakes to grow um mm. and progress so you know i think like like everything in life trial and error um but it's also very personal too i think you know, everybody has a different experience, don't they? Growing up and everybody can point to different experiences in terms of how they grew and developed and what what impacts those had on on them as a person. Yeah. But I think it does always come back, usually when I talk to people as anyway, comes back to the impact of relationships and the people that you've met in your life and you know, learn from, and particularly as you get older mm. um, and hopefully wiser, you know, you can think back to those people and, and, you know, you, it's a, it's amazing how many of those traits you do um, take through with you yourself in, in situations. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Um, I, I heard actually it was in, in a recent podcast, it might've been Dr. Bob Nelson, uh, who does a lot of work around employee engagement. And, and we were having mm. a chat around this. I think it was in that, that he mentioned uh, a, a quote from Bill Gates talking about uh, the link between basically saying, in his opinion, you can see how successful an organization can can be. One of like the key factors, if you can just look at that, you'll get a good idea, is how they deal with mistakes. Do they yeah. have a culture where people have to hide them? Or do they yeah. have a culture where it's actually okay, and that's um, and that's just? I, I remember something else that really stuck with me around that was thinking of leadership as a scientist, and mm. particularly entrepreneurship. You know, as an as an entrepreneur, going okay, think like a scientist. When a scientist is in a lab and they try an experiment, they're not deflated, um, and uh, you know they don't throw in the towel when an experiment comes back negative to their hypothesis it's actually part of the process they're like great okay yeah. let's move yeah. on to the next test and and i've found that helpful in the back of my mind you know when something fails and you go wait a second change your perspective and go no this is this is actually part of all like every process to find uh the right you know outcome to find that sort of secret aha you know mm. oh there it is that worked there's always going to be negative experiments along the way where that doesn't work and that doesn't work and it takes you a step closer. And yeah. I, for some reason that's really stuck with me. And, and sometimes when something doesn't work, I stop myself and go, no, that's actually, it's, you know, think of yourself like a scientist, Jono. It's just a hypothesis. You've proven wrong. Yeah. Move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is, um, that was fantastic, Dave. Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. Let's jump into Leadership Express. I'd love to ask you a bunch of questions. Are you ready? Sure. So first question, what is a book that you've gifted a lot to other people? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm a 
love reading and I'm, um, you know, I've always got one or two or three books usually on the go. But um, a book I've a book I've bought a lot of copies of to give away is um, The Obstacle is the Way, which is um, one of Ryan Holiday's books. I don't know if you've come across Ryan yeah, Holiday I have. before. Yeah, fantastic. So he's, you know, there's a few, there's Ego is the Enemy and um, he's just started a series as well on the four virtues, I think, and the first one's Courage, which I've, I'm partway through. But I just love the obstacle is the way it's just got so many great little stories in um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a mm. perfect sort of gift book really because it can, it's just one of those books that can open up people's minds a lot. Um so that's a that's a fantastic read and a great a great book to share with people. Yeah, thank you. That's a wonderful recommendation. Um, any great podcasts you're listening to at the moment, or other sources that you are really enjoying reading, watching, listening to right now? Yeah, well, another book I just finished um, was by um, Alistair Brownlee, who is um, double Olympic medalist in triathlon um, for the UK and. The book's called Relentless, I think, and he basically the the book is he interviews sportsmen and women from lots of different sports, and he's just trying to find out what it is that makes them successful. And it was just fascinating, you know, from sort of champion jockeys to cricketers to golfers to you know Olympic athletes. Just amazing, just to hear their stories what made them tick what made them successful um really really good book so that was that's a book i've just finished but podcasts i mean I, there's a podcast i love it's called the infinite monkey cage and it's um it's um professor brian cox yeah um i think it's through the bbc but it's sort of it's just a really kind of um a, a sort of a look at lots of kind of those i mean he's a physicist so it's a lot it's a very kind of it's a comedy science show i guess <laughs> if you can imagine such a thing but it's just done in such a way that makes things so interesting and he often has you know some amazing cambridge professor on who you would never normally think of ever listening to and they just they just talk about things and make it so accessible so that's it that's a, that's one i love to listen to particularly in the car <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. These are these are wonderful recommendations. Yeah. I haven't had them I mean, it's before. It's nothing I always... to do with leadership, but it's just a great, it's just a great, um, you know, knowledge source. I guess it's just a great way of improving your improving your all round sort of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, that's fantastic. Perfect. Uh, what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um. A lesson. Um, I suppose, you know, a good one is always, um, and it's probably not new, but it's about about perspective. Um, you know, I think quite often leaders, particularly when they're in, you know, SLT roles or the top positions, can tend to lose a bit of perspective about perhaps what's happening in the layers below. Yes. And I think, you know, um, it's always good 
to take yourself down, I guess, to those, put yourself back in those roles that, you know, we've all had, but sometimes you just forget what they're about, what they're like. Um, so I, what I quite like to do quite regularly is either, you know, spend the day as a student, for example, you know, and I, I'll attach myself to a year group and, and basically, you know, be a student for the day and see things from their perspective. Um, but it's the same with, with teachers as well. You know, I think at times senior leaders can forget what it's like to be a, you know, six period a day teacher and, yeah, you know, be teaching three different curriculums and have a lunchtime duty and then go to a meeting after school. And, um, you know, the impact that that can have on your, particularly on your mental health and well-being and, yeah, those kinds of things. So I think perspective's a really good thing to always keep in mind. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, that's a great lesson. I one of my favorite books is Blue Ocean Strategy, and they talk about the importance of senior leaders to to actually get out in the field, not just send people um, and then hear back from them, but for themselves to go yeah. out there and. Uh, and see what it's really like. And one of my favorite stories they talk about in that book is of this executive team uh, for a big pharmacy chain, like a really big company. And they decided we need to we need to understand what it's really like for our customers um, mm. because they were trying to work on sort of their strategy moving forward. And so they they went so far as to saying, okay, we're going to uh, we're actually going to do a sort of role play. Um, and so one unlucky person, I think from memory, it was like the the vice president of uh, of IT who put their hand up and they said, okay, you're you're sick today. So they all went back to their place, all of them with um to this person's place. They all had their notepads out. And it might sound silly, but they said, okay, here's the time. So the sort of leader said, it's this time, it's, it's 7 a.m. You've woken up with a sore throat. What do you do next? And so they did this, and they and you know the person's like, "Well, I still go to work," and which is a bit different to now yeah. because it's written pre-COVID, and they're like, "No, no, no, you're too sick to go to work. You have to stay yeah. home." Anyway, they run this whole process, and they end up at the pharmacy. They could they end up at the doctor's, sorry, but they could only get in like late morning. Um, so this person's waiting around in bed. Um, sort of, they finally get into the doctors. They're waiting in the waiting room for all this time, um, and around all these other people who are sick and then they finally get their script from the doctor go to the go to the pharmacy and so they they play this all out and then they then they reviewed it afterwards and they were like that was so frustrating that was such a waste of a day no wonder so many people turn up to work when they're feeling ill and so it was out of that they realized why don't we have um, a doctor at our pharmacies and they know no that won't work but what if we had a what if we had a nurse at the pharmacy who could do sort of most sort of basic you know rather than a prescription but could help Mm. so they came up with this new idea that then they then rolled out across the whole country because they had it would have been easier to come up with a great idea but they actually went and 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 reminded themselves of what it's really like to be sick and how annoying it is to have to wait for an appointment and um, and it it sounds so silly but it's honestly sometimes the only way to do it is to go and put yourself in the shoes. That's why I like what you said. Go and actually stand, mm. you know, go and put mm. yourself on a rotation where you get to experience. What's it like for our teachers yeah. right now to have um, back-to-back classes? Yeah. Or I, I yeah. think that's so clever, Dave. Mm. Mm. 
Okay, a couple more. I always love asking this question. I know it's not necessarily leadership uh, focused, but it it uh, I love finding out from leaders what what's really impacted them. A movie or a TV show that really impacted you? Oh, so many. Um, yeah. Um, what would it be? In my last episode, it was Mr. Bean. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't have to be serious, but it can be. It can be anything yeah. that's just for some reason yeah. it's a sort of a one of Dave's sort of really left a left a left an impact on you. Yeah, I think probably most recently it's been um watching Ricky Gervais' Afterlife. The, yeah, the, yeah. That series on Netflix. Um because it's just it's so true to life it it is actually i mean i don't know if if you've watched it but it's just i haven't yet i've heard good it's things just about that, it's just so perfect i mean he's he's actually nailed it um <laughs> in terms of in terms of human nature and you know what people actually say and think it, it's just it's just brilliant so that that's had a big impact on me actually and it and it's caused I had a lot of conversations with people about it too, which is always a, a good sign of something that's you've watched that's had it's been impactful, right? Because you know it generates good conversation. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. No, that's great. Thank yeah. you. That's that's uh, uh, another good recommendation. That's that's brilliant. Um, and last question: If you could only give a young leader one piece of leadership advice, what would you say to them? Um. Probably don't be afraid to ask. Um, you know, I think going back a bit to what we said before about failure, um, I think all too often, you know, people are, um, you know, leadership's kind of made out that, you know, you need to have all the answers and you don't. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, yeah. nobody's got all the answers and you can only be as good as the people that you're around mm. and you know you need to be able to be vulnerable and admit that you don't have the answers and to ask other people for help and for the answers um and i think you know that comes down to being authentic and vulnerable um and that's a big part of leadership i think you know that probably has been a big change in leadership over time, particularly in recent times. So I think, you know, I, off the back of that, I, um, I've created a leadership program here at Kristen for staff, um, which I call the adaptive leaders program. And it, one of the units, if you like, or workshops we do in that is about that very thing, you know, about making sure that, you know, you are prepared to seek help and advice from other people and how you do that. I mean, you know, one of the things I hate that saying is fake it till you make it mm. because it's sort of that perpetuates, doesn't it? That whole myth really of you need to know everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, clearly nobody does. Nobody has all the answers and nobody possibly can. Yeah. Um, so you need to, you need to surround yourself and not be afraid to surround yourself with people who might know more than you at the end of the day. That's, 
you know, that's a big, a big learning too. I like to think, you know, I, I'm a great follower of the Premier League and, um, you know, I, I'm, I love kind of stories about managers in the Premier League and obviously, you know, Alex Ferguson, one of the most successful. But, you know, when you think about Alex Ferguson, the reason he was so successful as a manager wasn't because he did everything and he knew everything. It was because he surrounded himself with great people. You know, yeah. he didn't coach the team. He didn't, he wasn't the goalkeeping coach. He didn't, he didn't train them, but he, he knew what he wanted and he went out and found those people. And that's, you know, it was the collective that made Manchester United so great in, in the years that they were successful under him. So yeah, you know, that's, that would be my advice to, to young leaders coming through is, is you know don't be afraid to ask for help and and seek out those people who can help you and you know like in a mentorship kind of way and and make sure you've got more than one you know yeah absolutely mm. that's great advice uh well for those who uh have really enjoyed today and might want to connect with you are you online in terms of linkedin twitter is there any way people can find i'm on you? yeah linkedin for sure i'm not much of a social media user but i'm right. on linkedin um, wonderful as a, as a teacher i tend to shy away from you know social media because um obvious reasons but yeah. um yeah linkedin definitely i'm on there beautiful uh well i want to say thank you to our listeners for tuning in great stories today from dave that have been uh yeah really encouraging and uh, mind-blowing a little bit for me to hear some of the some of the stories of dave's life it's been great uh for our listeners don't forget you've got the john o white leadership podcast you can also listen to and leadership question of the day where i ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe uh, but i want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to dave for being so vulnerable uh for walking the talk not just talking about that but actually really sharing uh, some some wonderful insights that I think a lot of leaders uh, who might have tuned in to go, how do I do that strategy a bit better? Will be going, oh wow, that really, hmm, that that's really brought up some good questions for me around, um, you know, just just some of those deeper things which really do shape us as leaders. And I mm. I have so much respect for you and your journey and how you've navigated that. So uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your insights, Dave. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. 
We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.